Hello and welcome into the Feels Like 45 podcast. I'm Cade Webb, and as always, I am joined by Dustin Ragusa for an early bye week edition of the podcast. Dustin, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. Uh, Non-con is done, and we're moving on to conference play. How are you? I'm doing really good, man. 3-0 feels good. I mean, I I don't know if we really played anybody after seeing how others' (laughs) non-conference schedule went. Coaches getting Uh, fired. But I really don't know if anybody played anybody. You look at OU, you look at K-State. I mean, KU might be the best team in the Big 12 at this rate. We have no idea based on the transfer property. I tried to tell you. Hey, that I liked. <laughs> <laughs> well, they might. I didn't, I didn't have enough confidence to say I liked them a lot, but yeah, that big, you, their Big Twelve Media Day performance is what got me. Those guys were confident. Yeah, what you didn't say is that you liked them three wins worth. You definitely didn't <laughs> say that. Like it's one thing to, <laughs> to like their energy; it's another thing to say, "Are you going to win three football games this year?" But hey, we're not I here to break the under. <laughs> Yeah, I would have too. But hey, we're not here to break down the Jayhawks. They're going to get way over their uh, their win loss. I they they can they can beat anybody. I think at this rate, we'll see about that. But anyway, getting back to the subject at hand here, Dustin. I think that's the quickest our podcast has ever gone off the rails. You know, you look back over the non conference slate, and you got wins over Central Michigan kind of comfortably, right? Late, late touchdowns for Central Michigan make that game feel a little different than it actually was. It was never close. You look at Arizona State, a little bit similar. I, I don't think that that game was all that close. And then you look at Arkansas Pine Bluff and it went the way it did. And so, you know, the, my prevailing thought is as we, you know, get into this week's podcast, we'll, we'll talk about kind of what this week's podcast will be. But my prevailing thought is took care of business and I feel really good about where things are at going forward, especially as you factor in some of the things you've seen across the Big 12 early this season. Yeah, I agree. I, I think what you needed to do is come in, win these games, get guys reps, and take that into the bye week and get ready for conference play. I think that's what Oklahoma State did. I, we're going to break it down more. There's some things they probably need to improve upon, some things we we have questions about, but Overall, I think they did what they needed to do to get ready for conference play. I, I really like the fact that they got so many different guys reps, not just against Arkansas Pine Bluff, but in the Arizona State and Central Michigan games as well. So I, I agree with you completely on that thought. Yeah, well, I'm excited to jump into it. Obviously, this week being a bye week, we don't we don't have a game to preview. It's, it's nice timing, though. I mean, you, Dustin, what you and I are going to do today is essentially what we've done all season you know, the three games up to this point, and that's grade the position groups, but we'll grade them and discuss them as a whole throughout the non-conference and, and essentially recalibrate at the end of that segment, we'll recalibrate or not recalibrate. Maybe we were spot on in the off season about what we expect out of this team. But I, I suspect Dustin, as you and I talk about that, that there are some things that change maybe about the trajectory of this team uh, and maybe the trajectory of the Big 12, who's going to be the com- 
competitors. I'm really excited to get into that uh, here today. I'm, I'm excited to kind of see what you think about the, the non-conference. Yeah, and the reason why we're not just going to do our normal Arkansas Pine Bluff <laughs> review, like you said, is because really there's not a lot to take away from this game in terms of the starters and even even really the second string. It was great to see some of these guys get reps. We'll make you know we'll reference this game as we go through, but any overreactions, positive or negative, to this game specifically, need to just be thrown out the window. There's not a lot you can take away and. And I think people agree, you know, I just, I actually just got a text from our guy, Adam Lunt. I'm sure he appreciates me reading this live on the air <laughs> saying, I'm sure your UAPB review talk will be brutal to do today with a laughing face. So Adam, we're not going to do it. Like yeah, that. we, so, we considered jokes that. on you. We laughing consi- face at you. <laughs> we, we considered the brutality of that task and decided we were not up for it. So we're going to do something completely different. Um, but hopefully nothing outside of the ordinary. But Dustin, before we do that, I do want to say thank you to sponsor the Feels Like 45 podcast, Price Buckley with Edward Jones. Price is the fourth generation in his family to graduate from Oklahoma State University, and he loves working with fellow alumni. Price uses a personalized approach to build a custom investment strategy tailored to your unique goals and circumstances so that you can turn an ideal future into a reality. You can reach Price at 469-757-0290 or on his website at edwardjones.com forward slash Price hyphen Buckley, B-U-C-K-L-E-Y. Dustin, I'm going to set a timer next week and I'm going to break my record for that ad read. I'm going to see how fast I can do it. Yeah, I'll set one too, just to double check you. But I, I think we can. I think we can break whatever record it is. You worried about like my foot wedge type situation? You think I'm going to like sandbag it? No, no, no. I trust you just to have like a second opinion, you know, like okay. an official, unofficial type thing like they do with the 40. If you're keeping square at home, that's Dustin's really nice way of saying, I'm just going <laughs> to double, double check your work here. He's got two hands on my shoulders looking over my shoulder and he's double checking my work. I appreciate you hey, doing that. I'm just trying to be a good friend. Well, and you, you are that my friend. Uh, let's just jump right into it though. I mean, Dustin, I, I want to start on the offense. And I want to start with the quarterback. I want to start with Spencer Sanders. You're probably disappointed. You probably wanted to go straight into the offensive line. We'll do that next. But, I mean, to me, Spencer Sanders has been just about everything you could have hoped for up to this point. You factor in the one turnover against Arizona State. And other than that, I I really think he has, has been all you could ask of him up to this point. Yeah, Kate. So through three games, he's 65% completion percentage, which is his highest of his career. Obviously, that's first entire seasons, three games. He's already has 10 touchdowns, which is half of what he had in 2021. Only one interception. He's thrown for almost a thousand yards. And then he's already rushed 110 net with the sacks counted in. But I think I had him at 120. Uh, without those taken out and he's got with those taken out and he's got three TDs already on the ground. So really great performance. Oklahoma state is ninth in passing offense. I know we're not going to give a letter grade for everybody, but I do think I do agree with everything you said, but I don't think I can give him an a because of that first quarter and a half of the Arizona state game. You know, I, I talked about it when we talked about that podcast. I thought he got some happy feet. Obviously, it was probably due to the Oklahoma State offense not really clicking. He was getting pressured a little bit early. And he made, I think I had him at three turnover-worthy plays, and one of them actually was intercepted. So I think if I were to give him a letter grade, and we won't do this for everybody, but 
I'd probably go B plus just because I, I thought he was amazing in central Michigan game. Obviously he looked great in his limited snaps against Arkansas Pine Bluff, but I don't think I can give him that a, because I think I have him graded as like a C plus B minus in that Arizona state game. Yeah. And I think that's totally fair. I Spencer on a, on the whole, you know, essentially 10 quarters of play didn't play that third and fourth quarter against Arkansas Pine Bluff. You're basically taking 10% of, of his output this season and grading it accordingly. And I, I think you did. I think if you look at it that way, it's like, yeah, B plus A minus. And I actually, I have him at A minus, not from like a, a technical, like is, is his footwork where it needs to be? How's his decision-making? I, one of the biggest things for me is how in control of the offense he seems. I think, that is an improvement from last year at times. Now, you look at the Notre Dame game. This is that version of Spencer Sanders, but we only saw it really for one game last season. And I think now you've really seen this for about eight to nine quarters of play right now. Um, and I would say just based on that alone, it looks like he knows what to do and when. And I think one of the things I've really appreciated about him this year is his ability to just get out of the pocket and and kill a play when I think last year, I don't know if he does that. I don't know if he rolls out to throw away. I mean, he, he did it sometimes, but we've seen it quite a bit. And you live to play another down. It seems like that may be registering for him. And I just, I really overall have been pleased with his decision-making outside of a few against Arizona State. If you're looking at the whole thing, I, I really like what I've seen from him. Yeah. And along with that, the throwaways is something I think he's kind of added to his game. We saw him do it a little bit last year as well, is not only going through his progressions and throwing it away, but he'll go through his progressions all the way and actually check it down to the running back at times this year, Absolutely, which is, is not something, you know, we saw him early in his career kind of maybe go to the running back really quickly, try to run really quickly, but now he's kind of going through one, two, three seeing nothing's there and instead of throwing it away or running, hey, maybe I can get it to this skill player, Dominic Richardson, Jaden Nixon, Ollie Gordon, who's able to kind of take off with the ball and maybe do a little bit more and then I don't have to take a hit. So I, I like that as well. I think you, you're right on track with him throwing the ball away. And then the way he's just kind of evolved, he came in out of high school already a really great running quarterback and just runner in general. But he, the the improvement we've seen over the years and how he's just able to make guys miss in the open yeah. field. He's starting to slide more, which you alluded to uh, last, I think it was last week's pod. He still takes a lot of hits, but I think he's doing a little bit better job and kind of picking his spots. I, I think the only thing I really want to see from him as we move through the season is, can he consistently hit on the deep ball? Yeah. And can he complete passes over the middle against the sky zone coverage? like Baylor likes to do and not throw it into traffic. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> those have to be the questions, right? I mean, at this point, we've seen everything else from Spencer Sanders. That is the remaining question is, can he figure out that disguise zone defense that Baylor, Iowa state, Oklahoma, it appears might want to run a little bit of that this year based on what they did against Nebraska. Um, you know, overall though, I, I think his command of the offense is something that if you look at, 
you know, you can look at the X's and O's, but his command of the playbook has been impressive to me and has been an improvement from last year. And so for that reason, I, I bump him up to an A minus. But uh, I absolutely agree with you that that first you know quarter and a half, two quarters against Arizona State wasn't great. But as you said last week, he put that behind him and, and he only let that become a quarter and a half. It wasn't a full game of turnovers. And really, it just felt like it was kind of that flash in the pan and then move on. And that's kind of back to what I'm saying. I feel like there's just a lot of growth in some of those intangibles. That's what you expect out of a fourth year quarterback. So, yeah. And if, if you, if he's able to, if he goes into some of these games and maybe has a bad quarter, but he's able to turn around, turn it around that quickly as opposed to, you know, a big 12 championship game where he didn't really kind of turn it on until the fourth quarter. I think that is huge. Even if, even if you do get an interception or a couple of tough passes in the first quarter, even in the second quarter, but you're able to turn it around in the other three quarters, other two quarters. I think that's a huge step up from what we've seen from him early in his career. And Cade, I I think just some of the throws we consistently see from him that that out route to the opposite hash. He's automatic he with that, it right now. Yeah, I've been watching a lot of Baylor recently preparing because that's, you know, I'm here for the team, doing my work, getting the film in. <laughs> but Shapin kind of floats that ball out there. And just when you watch him throw that compared to Spencer, Spencer puts that ball on a rope out there to Bryson Green or to Braden Johnson. And that is a tough NFL caliber throw that I think we take for granted because we've seen Spencer Sanders throw that pass so many times in his career and complete it or get, I mean, get it to the, where the receiver can make a play. That is a difficult throw. Oh, I, I think Dustin, I'll even take it back past Spencer Sanders. Like we've been spoiled with that throw by Oklahoma state quarterbacks. You go back to Taylor Cornelius, Mason Rudolph, both were fantastic at the far hash out route. I mean, that's, that's a 40-yard throw. I mean, 35 roughly on a rope. And it's a staple of this offense and has been for a long time. But a lot of teams don't run it. And again, they'll run the out route, but it's usually from the near hash. When you're running it from that far hash, it puts a lot of stress on that outside corner to try to make a play. And it is a, it's a Oklahoma State's offense leans on that. And they will lean on it against Baylor. I love that you brought it up because they ran it a ton against Arizona state. They ran it a ton against pine bluff. It's like, if you give Braden Johnson eight yards, they might run that. And Oh, by the way, if you start keying on that too hard, we're going to run a double move and burn you for 80. So it becomes really difficult to defend when you execute it. Well, yeah, agreed. And, you know, I think some of the teams in the big 12 will, will play more man than some of the non-con game opponent that Oklahoma State faced this year. We've seen Baylor. They've actually been running some two-man under, which has been interesting. I'll, I'll put some Twitter cli- clips out of the, about that next week. But basically, it's two eye safeties with man underneath asking the linebackers to do a lot in man coverage. I think we see Oklahoma State start using you know some of the concepts we've seen in the past, the mesh, some of the other pick route plays, maybe some slot fade type stuff with the outside receiver coming in and kind of taking that DB out. I think that le- all legally, legally, but I-, I think we see a lot of that. I think we see some of the passing concepts kind of evolve, maybe some more play action rollout type stuff aside from that split zone with the cowboy back faking the block and kind of going out in the flat right there. So I- I'm interested to see how Spencer handles that. If he's still able to go through his progressions, I think he's shown 
at the end of last season, middle to end of last season, that he's capable of doing that. And I'm really excited about that. But Cade, what I wanted to ask you is we've been through three games so far, and I know Arkansas Pine Bluff is one of the opponents, and he still threw four touchdowns and 21 snaps or whatever it was. But do you what do you think Spencer's numbers end up being now? So he's at through three games, 65% completion percentage, almost a thousand yards. 10 TDs, one interception. I know we talked, you know, 20 plus TDs. We said we wanted it to be under 10 interceptions. I know we said over 3,000 yards. And we'd like, I think the completion percentage, I think we maybe said lower than 65, but 65 would be great if he could finish there. Do you think he can continue and kind of get that to a 3,500 yard season with a 65% completion percentage, you know, maybe 28 TDs, 26 TDs? And, nine interceptions. Do you think that's out of the realm of possibility? I know the caliber of opponents, we saw Arizona state lose to Eastern Michigan, Arkansas <laughs> pine bluff, you know, would might have trouble against my high school deer Creek. I, I don't, I don't really know that we can really compare it to big 12 defenses, but what do you think stat wise? Well, I mean, the way I see it, you're a quarter of the way through the season and you're already nearly to a thousand yards. You factor in caliber of opponent. You, you hope the mistakes stay away. Yeah, I think 3,500 might be the new, like, it might be the new shooting point. Like, I, I don't think 3,000 is the number anymore. I, I think they want to air it out a little bit, a little bit more than I expected. Um, granted, we saw in that Arizona State game, they'll still ground and pound you if they want to. And if they need to, they will. And so those are the games I'm kind of factoring into this. If I If I had to pick... I think because of that, because of some of the defenses you're going to see, Baylor, Iowa State, and again, I'm going to throw OU in this because now they're showing a little bit of that 3-3-5. I think they may try to run the ball a lot, um, which is probably why you're seeing some Ollie Gordon and Jaden Nixon. I I would put him at 33-50 right now um, as my kind of new baseline. I would take the over, but that's kind of the new like number that I would put him at. And then you know, he's he's going to have 30-plus total touchdowns, I think, this year when you factor in passing and rushing. I think he's just going to have one of those banner years. Yeah, I, there's nothing really that I've seen, aside from, you know, we talked about that quarter and a half against Arizona State, that makes me think Spencer can't have numbers like that, even against Big 12 caliber defenses. Because, like, like you said, we saw him have really solid games against teams last year. And you mentioned it earlier. He just looks so comfortable in this offense. I think him and Casey Dunn are really on the same page right now. I know I called Casey Dunn's play calling out last week saying that I, I liked what I've seen so far flow wise. You know, it, you're not always as creative as a, like I said, I've been watching Baylor. They have a lot of cool play action stuff, some different running schemes mixed into their wide zone scheme. But I think Dunn's flow of the game is the way he's calling plays has looked really well so far. And him and Spencer being on the same page heading into conference play with this bye week, I'm going to be excited to see what the game plan is for Baylor. But overall, yeah, I I think Spencer's performed great. I know I didn't give him an A grade, but I think he will have an A grade for me by the end of the season. Well, I'm I'm curious. We've seen a couple of these, you know, bootleg type plays ran from Oklahoma State. It feels like they're breaking a little bit of the rust off of that. Get it on film for Baylor. I, I wonder if they've got... I mean, you have to think all offseason they're thinking, okay, how do you mitigate 
that interior Baylor defensive line because it's the it's the unit that gave them the most trouble. We'll talk about this next week, but you got to think they've got something uh, ready for that scenario. I mean, they that not only do they still have Siaki Ika, they added Jackson Player to that to that rotation. So we're, it's not the Baylor p- preview. We, we did this last week too. I mean, that's that's one of the most anticipated Oklahoma State football games in a long time uh, outside of a Bedlam game. So, yeah, and I, I some of the things, you know, I, I think we'll see more motion in some of these games. We haven't seen a ton of motion. I think I think we'll see more, like I said, more evolved passing concepts. I think we'll see some different type of runs along with the zone mixed in some gap scheme stuff, scheme stuff. So. I think it'll be really interesting and it's a great call out to kind of see how the game plan is versus Baylor. And as we move into conference play, but I mean, Kate, I, I guess we can't really though leave quarterbacks without mentioning yeah, the since they played. I I thought Gunner, I thought Gunner looked good. You know, I, I think Mike Gundy alluded to the fact that he, you know, if he saw some disguised coverage, something he didn't like, he'd tuck it and run and, he thinks that's fine for a young quarterback to do. He thought he managed the offense well. They went on an eleven play, seventy yard drive that ended with a touchdown to Talon Shetron. I, I think that I think that he looked fine. I think he's a good runner. He's faster than I remember from watching his high school film, which we've heard he's improved his forty time. But twelve of 20, 128 yards, two TDs, the interception, which I don't think you can really count that so much on him as Braylon Presley. But uh, I, I thought he looked great. And then Rangel, I, you can't really do a lot from his limited snaps. I know Gundy wanted to get him a few more, but he had one kind of wild throw. But I think there was some miscommunication there. But I, I thought I thought Gunner looked well. Like, looked, yeah. like he knew what he was doing out there, and I, I liked it. Well, I mean, I, I have said for a while that I, I think Gunner is probably better than we're considering. It gives me Clint Shelf vibes, honestly. Like, seeing him come in, for two quarters in a game like that is like what Clint Shelf used to do when he was backing up Brandon Whedon for so long and then come in and be like, okay, this guy's not bad. And, and I agree with you. His mobility is impressive. I think it, it pops, you know, his arm strength isn't otherworldly, his accuracy, the deep ball doesn't have a lot to it. I will say over the middle, I think he's really pretty accurate. Um, And in some of those short to intermediate routes, Deep ball's not great, but um, yeah, I mean, I would, I would absolutely say that Gunner's play on Saturday was a plus. I mean, I, I was yeah. impressed. He's great with the first read stuff. I mean, I bet he could, uh, he could do what Richardson at Central Michigan did to some. Oh, all put day. In that kind of West Coast or an air raid or something where he's getting the ball out quick because you're right, he's very accurate on those routes, and uh, he seemed confident in throwing it to his spot. If he got the look he wanted, and if not, he was fine tucking it and running, which for a quarterback with that little snaps and attempting his first pass in this game, I thought I thought he performed well. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I, I thought he was great. All right, Dustin, let's keep it rolling here. Let's talk about the offensive line. I mean, I want to throw it to you. I want to get your expert opinion here first, and, and then I'll tell you what I think because I'm going to let you color my sunglasses here. So here's the thing, Kate. They're 25th in sacks allowed right now. I think it's a tie. I want to say it was like two through these games, and I believe they might have both been in the Arkansas Pine Bluff game, one on Sanders and one on Gundy. I think the pass protection has been really, really good. Yeah. I, I think, again, 
got to take into account the opponents you're playing. But I think overall, the pass protection has been good. Run blocking. I think the best grade you could give them through those two games, and if you want to throw Arkansas Pine Bluff in, but you know Preston Wilson's playing banged up. You never really get anybody in rhythm. Dom only carried it what like seven times or something. So, you know they're loading the box early. So I don't. I don't think. I don't think you can take a lot from the the Arkansas Pine Bluff game. But I think overall in the run game, I think at times they've looked a little better than decent, but for the most part, they've been average to below average. So I think run blocking wise, I feel like you maybe need to give them a C, C minus, but then in pass protection, I think you give them an A, B plus or A. (laughs) So I think it evens out to that B range. And again, I said, I said, we're not going to letter grade everybody, but I wanted to do it for the offensive line and for quarterback. Cause I know those are the kind of areas people really want to talk about. And offensive line had a lot of questions going into the season, but I think you've got to improve the run blocking. Well, it's. I'm glad you said that. The problem is that's the exact logic I use to arrive at the exact same place. I have I have them at a B as well um, for the exact reasons you listed. I mean, second half against Arizona State was the best half of the season, I thought, for the offensive line because they, they pass-blocked and run blocked really well, um, especially in the pouring down rate. I thought that looked like the Oklahoma State of last year when they got going downhill. It was like them and Jalen Warren just leaning on that run game, and I felt like that in that game. But outside of that, I absolutely agree with you. Run blocking, you know, granted, every game, every opponent has loaded the box against them. The Arizona State did it. Um, until Oklahoma State just bludgeoned them and told and forced them to stop. Um, and and Arkansas Pine Bluff did the same. Now you'd want to think you could run against an eight man front or an eight eight man box rather against Arkansas Pine Bluff, but that's still difficult. And Oklahoma State threw it all over the yard. So I would agree with you though. The run blocking is a concern, and I'm glad they've got some time to iron some things out because I don't think there's a better defensive line in the Big Twelve outside of Oklahoma States that they're going to be facing here in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And the thing is, it's not, it's not super doom and gloom. Like I think what you and I are trying to say is it just needs to improve as we face tougher defenses, but you know, they're with the meals and the two sacks removed, they're averaging 5.2 yards per carry. You know, Gundy sets his number at 4.5. So 5.2 is not bad. Now it should be higher. Like you said, because they should have ran for like 15 yards per carry against Arkansas Pine Bluff. But but even still, 5.2 is not bad. I think here's the thing, Cade. As we get ready for Baylor, me personally, now now there's a lot of things I would like to see. Like, you know, I'd love to see Tyrone Weber more at left guard. I'd love to see Jason Brooks get a chance at guard. But of what we've seen so far snap-wise, my starting offensive line going into Baylor would be Caleb Etienne at left tackle, Taylor Materko or Joe Maholski, at left guard, and they can even kind of rotate re- snap counts there. I, I don't know if Dickie's still going to do that in conference play, but he might. Preston Wilson at center, right guard, I have Hunter Woodard, and then at right tackle, I would have Jason Brooks. So right now, he and Springfield, I believe it's a 38-62% split uh, with the edge to Springfield there on how, who's played more at right tackle. And then Maholski has actually played right guard, center, and left guard. But I, I just think from what I've seen in, again, I don't like to reverence the Arkansas Pine Bluff game, but I had 
Mason Brooks for three pancakes in that game. And I had Springfield for a holding call. So I, I just think, I think Brooks is Brooks will help out the run game and maybe he's a little bit worse in pass pro, but there are things you can do in pass pro to help him out. Keeping the running back in, having the running back chip, keeping the cowboy back in, having the cowboy back chip. And you don't always have to do it to his side. You can mix things up. You can send different guys over there. You can pull a guy from the other side and help out at tackle and have him go inside. There's a lot of stuff you can do. Now in the run game, it's a little bit harder to kind of mask the deficiencies that I think Jake Springfield has. So I think adding Jason Brooks would help this run game moving forward. Well, I, I love the breakdown there, Dustin. I, I think they're, they're going to have to figure that out. Do you think that that split, I mean, that's, that's pretty close to say that you have a clear one and a clear two. I mean, is there a, is there yeah. a chance that that's by design to get Jason Brooks any extra looks going into conference season? Oh, 100%. I think it's that, and I think it's what we talked about on a previous pod that Coach Dickey's kind of changing his philosophy. He wants to get guys out there who are practicing good. One, just in case guys get injured, now they have reps on film throughout the season. They have experience. Two, looks good for recruiting when you're showing, hey, if you come in, even if you've only been here for a short amount of time, if you come in and practice well, we're going to play you, which we hadn't seen Oklahoma State do it really in the Dickey era yet. Right. And then three, what you said, I think they're trying to get a look at these guys. And I think that's why Maholsky started kind of switching out with Materko a little bit in the Arkansas Pine Bluff game. And he's obviously backing up Wilson. They want these two extra kind of swing linemen, but they also want to see, hey, maybe this guy, you know, they practice about the same, but in gameplay, he's doing a little bit better. And I think that's where we're at with Brooks. I'm not saying he's head and shoulders better than Springfield. I'm just saying I think he's a better run blocker and that's where you need improvement right now. And I think he's not as a bad enough, bad enough in pass pro to where it would, where that matters. And I think you put Brooks out there, man, it'll be interesting to watch. I mean, the, the Baylor game, they, they may try anything. So I'm excited to see who rolls out there and when on that offensive line in that game. And maybe they keep rotating them too. Maybe they do. I mean, Springfield, I think, has proven himself enough um, to warrant, you know, obviously not riding the pine. But I I love the mean streak that Jason Brooks plays with. It's kind of the thing that we've been asking for on the offensive line for a long time as Oklahoma State fans, ever since really kind of wick line left. Everybody's talking. We, we need more mean guys. Well, I think Oklahoma State's got him, and I think they've got a couple more who, who kind of play a little nasty. So I, I'm excited about it. One of those guys, Austin Kowecki, the true freshman, I know it's against Arkansas Pine Bluff, but he came up there and was throwing dudes around <laughs> at left tackle. He also got a few snaps at guard as well, along with Weber. They, they, he also played tackle and guard. I thought both of them actually looked pretty good. Again, not a lot to grade off of in that game, but I think it's awesome to get these linemen in there. Another thing with rotating them, if Dickie decides to keep doing it, it helps with the tempo because you know these big guys need a breather every now and then. They're in awesome shape, but it's great to be able to put a Joe Maholsky in there for Hunter Woodard and give Hunter a little breather one series if it's not that much of a drop-off. So I do do love that. I do love that Brooks, 90 snaps. I think Maholsky's at about 100 total. It's awesome to have your two kind of backup linemen get that many snaps in the non-con. So I'll be interested to see, um, like I mentioned earlier, 
I think it'll be interesting to see if they start with some more gap stuff, pull some more of these guys. I know Brooks has a lot of experience pulling. You see some GT stuff. I'm not sure. Maybe some pin and pull buck sweep type of stuff. But we'll see as we move on. I, I do think overall the offense and the defense, not to get to them already, but has done a great job with penalties. I think Oklahoma State's, I can't remember what I had them ranked at. I, I'll, I'll scroll up and look it up in a bit, but they're doing good with penalties. So I think overall, if the offensive line can improve in the run game, I think they'll be fine. It's just a little worrisome when you see guys like Preston Wilson, Taylor Materko getting blown off the ball in some of these games backwards. And they're not even going up against the guys that you mentioned earlier for Baylor, Baylor like Ika and player TJ Franklin, these monsters on the Baylor defensive line. And I'm a little worried about that game <laughs> going in as your kind of gauge on the run game. Yeah. Well, let's not talk about that. Let's talk about the run game though. I mean, the, the running backs specifically, I mean, you look at Dominic Richardson, Jaden Nixon, Ollie Gordon, really the guys, that, that's that's the three. I think Zach Middleton had a few in there, but that's the three. Haven't seen any of Dominic Jackson so far, um, you know, obviously with the NCAA, NCAA uh, eligibility concerns. Seems like that's been resolved. Bottom line, as a whole, I don't think the running backs have done anything to like blow me out of my seat and I don't think they've done anything to make me upset or disappointed. I have them at a solid B. Yeah, I I think the the thing here is no one really kind of pulled away as hey, this guy needs the ball every single time. We see Dom have plays. He looked solid in the Arizona State game. But, you know, I still had him even in the Pine Bluff game and his limited number of carries still missing cuts. You know, we talked about sometimes he has trouble seeing the seam. He hits the hole hard every single time. There's no hustle or effort question mark for Dom. It's just that. And something that Adam Lunt called out, I believe this was in his, uh, he did some Twitter notes on the non-con. Maybe this team is better running some more inside wide zone, maybe even some duo interior runs as opposed to the stretch outside zone plays that we saw the Chuber Hubbards and the Jalen Warrens excel so much at because they're more Dom is more of a power stuff it down your throat running back. And the offensive line is having some trouble getting up to the second level at times in duo. You kind of just stick on your double teams and push the defensive line backwards and the running back gets into some one-on-one situations with the linebackers. So maybe, I, I, you know, you don't want to switch up your entire scheme because the outside zone is what Oklahoma State has kind of based their offense around. But I'd like to see some more interior stuff. I was looking at PFF and basically all of Dom's yards have come between the two guards. And that's because I think he feels comfortable cutting back into the interior and running through people as opposed to trying to beat guys to the edge. Now, if you now Jaden Nixon and even an Ollie Gordon, we saw him break the long run around the outside, but maybe Dom would be better suited in some inside zone duo type scheme as opposed to this stretch trying to get to the perimeter play. Well, I mean, you, you just, you kind of laid out the question I have, like you don't likely change your scheme in the middle of the season, but the person carrying the football 
are they suited for that scheme or not? And I, I, Dominic Richardson, I mean, that second half of the Arizona State game was he was dominant, and so you have to consider that going forward. But I, I'll just say, I think what Ollie Gordon gives you in in shiftiness and lateral quickness might open some things up in the run game a little bit better than what Dominic Richardson gives you. And we saw this last year, Dustin. I mean, th- this is not a new thing with Dominic Richardson. So it's it's not surprising that this is the way the run game has gone. There's just not a lot of flash. It's a lot of power right now. And Oklahoma State doesn't have a ton of power on the offensive line in the run game yet. Again, they've shown it. They've shown flashes, but it's not there consistently. And so, you know, my, my question remains, I think Dominic Richardson's still clearly your RB1, but as you get into games against Baylor and Kansas State and TCU and Oklahoma, you have to consider what personnel gives you and the strengths that they have. And I, I'm curious to see, you know, I mean, Ollie Gordon, he gets it. He gets to the outside in about four steps. He, yeah. It's it's. He's kind of made for this offense, I feel like. So I say all that to say Dom still keep the RB1 spot, but I, I think I'm I'm growing concerned about longevity there. And yeah, and I think that's a great point. And w- what you see with Ollie is almost a little bit the opposite. He'll have a seam, and again, yeah. this is limited <laughs> yeah. snaps. He'll have a seam or cutback lane inside, and he wants to bounce it outside if he's running like a wider inside zone type play where there might be a cutback lane in the middle. So it's kind of funny, but I think you're right on. I think somebody else needs to step up as RB2. And it needs to be more of a split. I just, you know, Jaden Nixon hasn't done it yet. And maybe he hasn't gotten enough opportunities or enough opportunities that suit his skill set. But from what I've seen from Jaden, he's also having some trouble finding the seam. And he's just, he's fast, but I don't know if he's elusive enough for his lack of power, at yeah. the, if, if that I, makes I sense at this point. And I'm not saying anything about Dom. I think Dom is a really good back. I just don't know if he's your Jalen Warren, give it to him every single time. I'd like to see somebody else step up from behind him. And DeAndre Jackson, I know he didn't play, but he was eligible last game. So he's going to start getting reps in practice again. He seems more of a kind of interior runner as well, power guy. Again, his snaps are very limited at A&M, but just from the few that you know we saw. But we'll see. I, I just think, I don't think it's so much as like we're, being negative about Dom is the fact that Casey Dunn and the backup running backs need to figure something out to maybe it's get Ollie more snaps and see how he can do. I know Gundy saying he needs to mature. Casey Dunn saying the same thing. We saw him whip and pass pro against Arkansas Vine Bluff. So Dom's so good in pass pro that you want to keep him out there so you can kind of go tempo and not worry about that. But I think Ollie needs to learn get up to speed quicker. And I know it's asking a lot and Jaden Nixon needs to just kind of do a little bit more with his skill set right now, because I don't want Dom to have to do it all. Like you said, I'm worried about longevity with the hits he takes. And I don't think he should have to do it all because I don't think that's the type of running back he is. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if he brings enough of a dynamic nature to this offense. Like, Jalen Warren was breaking off 40, 50, 60 yarders last year, just out of the blue. I don't, I don't see a lot of that in Dominic Richardson right now. I, he's, he's kind of a 15 to 20 yards on a good snap type of runner. And he's normally 
straight line north south and that's okay but there's not a lot of elusiveness making guys miss you and i've talked a lot about this so we we don't need to rehash that but i think i think what we've seen with ollie gordon is there just might be a little more flash and a little more reason to divvy up the carries and see how that goes. I don't know if Baylor is the team to do that against though, but it's just something I'm, I'm watching for going forward. No. And that, and that's why you and I were kind of talking about in the off season, a guy like an ex validay or one of these running backs that was in the portal. And I know they got Deandre Jackson, but you know, one of the kind of more established guys, because outside of true freshman, Ollie Gordon, who I think has looked really good in his snaps, He's a true freshman, and they don't have an experienced guy who has the skill set that you just mentioned, somebody that's super elusive. Jaden Nixon is super fast. I love what he can do with the ball, but he hasn't shown to be super elusive and somebody that can really find the seam in the zone scheme. And it's just, it, I just don't think that guy's on the roster outside of a true freshman, Ollie Gordon, which that's fine. Give Ollie more snaps. It just kind of it kind of sucks for the OSU running back room and for Casey Dunn. Cause I don't think that guy exists right now outside of Ollie. Yeah, I agree. All right, Dustin, let's kind of wrap the offense up with a little bit of wide receiver and cowboy back talk. Let's, let's start with cowboy back. I think it's a quick discussion. It's really been Braden Cassidy primarily a little bit of Jake Schultz thrown in there, but it's primarily Braden Cassidy. And he's so good in, in, in pass protection. I mean, we, we've talked ad nauseum about this since we started this podcast. Might as well be the feels like Braden Cassidy is going to have a good day in pass protection podcast because that's what it is. I mean, Dustin, I mean, any any new thoughts on the Cowboy back position? No, Cassidy's so awesome in split zone. He's great chipping. He's really good in pass pro. I think he's improved every year. You know, he's not the best tight end in the country. Even even just from a blocking standpoint, but he knows the offense. He knows where to be. He seems like he's doing a really good job with along with Coach McIndoo of coaching up a Jake Schultz, someone who went from linebacker to DN to cowboy back. I really like what I've seen from Cassidy. You'd love this position to have a little bit more in the passing game from those two. They'll still be in some route concepts, but I think they've been used effectively. And now, Cade. We've seen you called for it. You wanted it, and you called it before I was, you even knew he was practicing there. Rashad Owens with, I had him at 20. That That's me just going off of my notes. So I, I think PFF, they try to calculate it, but I, I didn't 100% agree with theirs. But I had him at 20 reps at the Cowboy back position against Arkansas Pine Bluff. And this, Cade, is something you can call out from the game because this is a scheme. So I, what did you think about that? What did you think about Owens there? Well, I mean, just just print the Nostropodmus shirts now. I mean, no, I, I I don't think you want to run your offense around that still, but I think it's a nice. I mean, I think it's a nice gadget play type of look. I mean, you you throw Rashad Owens out there. Same with same with John Paul Richardson. I mean, you put a receiver in that spot, and all of a sudden the defense has to prepare for something wildly different. Um, you can, you can run motion out of that. You can run some sort of speed pitch out of that. There's a lot you can do just by having that type of player right there. Um, I, I really was kind of curious, you know, if you would, if you would, uh, tell me I was correct and I'm glad you did. So no, I was excited to see, uh, Rashad Owens there, but I, I don't expect to see a ton of it primarily because of what Brayden Cassidy gives you in so many other areas. 
Yeah, and I'd love to know how long Rashad has been practicing there. We heard rumors about it, but it may have been more of a after Blaine Green is injured. If that's the case, it's great to get this stuff on film, but like you said, I would I wouldn't want it to be like a major part of the offense because I mean, you saw even against Pine Bluff, he had a little bit of issues when asked to block. Yeah. But I love what it can add in the passing game. And like you said, this is something you could pull out like they do with the Blaine Green at TCU, kind of switch him, Schultz, and Cassidy in and out there, maybe get them all, you know, maybe Owens has a little bit less, but get him, you know, 10, 15 snaps at Cowboy back where teams have to respect that. It opens up other parts of your offense. And maybe that's another way, even against a Baylor, hey, you throw Owens out there, you run it the other way. Naked bootleg. Play action. You gotta you gotta pay attention to Owens out there. So maybe just some, like you said, some gadget play type stuff. But I love it. I especially love it for the future. He's a very talented receiver. And it sucks to not be able to get some of these really talented receivers on the field. So that's one way to do it, which we saw them do with Green last year. But Kate, I don't really have any like major takeaways from the Cowboy backs. I think they've done their job. I think Schultz has looked really good. And if they can stay healthy. I think they're going to be a major contributor again in pass pro and in run blocking. And, you know, maybe we see them catch a pass here or there. Well, I mean, I'm telling you right now, if we don't see a Rashad Owens lined up at Cal, I mean, this is a re- perfect red zone package against a Baylor team. You, you get them all bunched up to the middle of the, of the line, right? You go naked boot with Spencer, delayed fade from Rashad Owens out of the cowboy back position. <laughs> I mean, catch them snoozing. 100% of the time. Let's see what happens. If, hey, if it. they run that play, I will print the shirts with that play design on it. Okay. <laughs> Just you heard it here first. I promise you I'll do that. <laughs> no. And Kate, I, I really, I don't have anything left on Cowboy back. So I, I'm fine to move to receivers if you are. Yeah. And this, this is a fun one because I, I, I know we said we wouldn't letter grade everyone but I want to talk a little bit about this and I might want to get your letter grade, but I'll, I'll, I'll start. I think John Paul Richardson has been, I, I think, the class of the group. It's not to take away from Braden Johnson. It's not. I still think Braden Johnson is going to get the bulk of the targets. He's going to get the bulk of the receiving yards. He's going to get the bulk of the touchdowns. But I think what John Paul Richardson gives you right now is a safety valve, number one. He's Spencer's go-to when Spencer's in trouble, right? I think that's where he's looking. And he makes so many plays. And he's made three wow plays in three games. And I think what he gives you is a different element than Braden Johnson. And that is probably the most pleasant development this season. The thing I will say that detracts from this unit right now is the drops. It seems like we've got a case of it right now. And, And Braden Johnson, you know, had a much better game against Pine Bluff, but still wasn't nearly what we had seen in week one. And so for that reason, I'm going to put the wide receivers because I think everybody else has played about what I would have expected. I'll put them at a B plus right now because I think you have to factor in uh, Brennan Presley's had a couple of drops, had a, had a ball bounce off his helmet, you know, late looking back to the quarterback in game one. There's been just some early growing pains from this wide receiver group. I think the talent is off the charts, but I think what, I, I think what you get is a team with a or a group with a lot of talent that just needs to continue to try to put it all together. Yeah, they're so versatile. I, I mean, 
you talk about Braden Johnson at the Z. He's a guy we've seen play inside. Braden Presley and John Paul Richardson at the slot. You got Bryson Green playing the X. I believe he could play the Z as well. You got Rashad Owens playing outside slot, playing some cowboy back. These guys can just kind of do everything and not even mentioning some of the younger guys like Talon Chetron and Braylon Presley, who we got to see a little bit of. Stephon Johnson Jr., who looked awesome at the Z spot. And Langston Anderson's out there at X, which I know he's listed as Z. So it's just a super versatile group. Love what I've seen from John Paul Richardson, like you said. I, I think him and Brennan Presley are 1A and 1B for your run after the catch receivers. I think they're head and oh, shoulders yeah. above everybody else. I agree. Maybe it's Stephon Johnson, but I, you know, I don't know if you can count him on those limited snaps right now. I think Braden Johnson has to clean up the drops, like you said. And you've got to be able to figure out what to do if the defense is going to play top down and not let you throw the deep ball, how to get Braden Johnson involved in the game. And it cannot just be, oh, they're in off coverage. Let's throw him the quick hitch. Let's throw him the, the out that we talked about that Spencer can throw really well. If they've got a deep safety over the top and somebody in you know tight off, like Mason likes to play sometimes that five-yard or press – what is Braden Johnson going to do for a route and how is Spencer going to be able to get him the ball? Because at the Z position, you have got to be able to create separation, win contested catches and run really crisp routes. And I think Braden Johnson can do all those things. I just want to see it. Aside from him, like you said, I think John Paul's looked great. I think Brandon Presley has looked really good. Bryson Green, we talked about it, get a little bit more separation when he's in man. I thought he's done well at what he's been asked to do. And then when these guys can get Jaden Bray back, which it sounds like it might not be for Baylor, we're hoping. This is just such a deep unit that's getting so many reps in so many different spots. I'm not even really worried about, you know, like this, they have so much experience now from last season and from these non-con games I think they're set up really well if they're knock on wood were to be an injury. I think there's so many guys you can throw out there. And I'm just, I'm really, I think Spencer's really comfortable with them. And I feel really comfortable going into conference play with this group. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think it's probably the best receiver core in the big 12 right now. I mean, just top to bottom. I think you have maybe a little more star power at Texas and Xavier worthy, but outside of that, I think this is the deepest unit in the big 12 right now at the wide receiver spot. I just, you know, and, and it's probably nitpicking to be pointing back at four plays. Essentially it's what I'm doing and saying the drops have to get cleaned up, but they, they really do. They will, they will kill plays and drives and scoring opportunities against a Baylor. So that that's got to get cleaned up. But yeah, I mean, outside of that, there's not a whole lot more you could ask for. They've, they've bailed Spencer out of potential issues multiple times. I love what they've done. Yeah, I, I think it's just going to be interesting to see how much 10 and how much 11 personnel they play because we've heard Casey Dunn say taking John Paul Richardson and Brendan Presley off the field is a bad idea and because they're two of your better players on the team. So how do you get them both on there at the same time? Since they're both slot guys, you got to go four wide. You got to go 10 personnel, but we've seen you know some issues with the run game when you do that. So it's just going to be, I, I, I'm, it's been about a, I think, what did I have it as? Like a 60-40-ish split on 10, 50, 50% 11, 38% 10, 
11% 12 personnel, and then 1% other, which has been that 23 personnel look with the two running backs at the goal line. I want to see if that continues. You know, it's basically a 50-40-10 split there between 11, 10, and 12 personnel. Does that continue as we move throughout the season? Do we see more 10? It's, it's just going to be interesting because they've got so many receivers that I think they feel comfortable with out there and that Spencer Sanders feels comfortable with. So how do you get all these guys on the field, get them targets, get them reps? Triple reverse. That's the answer right there. You just said it. <laughs> Everybody touches it. <laughs> That's right. Well, I mean, yeah. Dustin, any other thoughts on the offense before we move on? I, I'm really excited to talk about defense with you. But before we do that, Let's take a quick break and hear a word from one of our sponsors. Check out Homefield Apparel's new Oklahoma State line. I don't know if you have. I know Dustin and I both are rocking the new Homefield Apparel shirts that have just gone live on their website at homefieldapparel.com. I mean, the Curse of Cowboys across the chest is absolutely gorgeous. I don't know if you guys have seen the Pistol Patty t-shirt, but it is great as well. And Homefield Apparel is doing phenomenal stuff, even outside of Oklahoma State sports. If you go on their website right now, you can see potential future Big 12 members, Colorado, with a throwback t-shirt on their website. I'm just a big fan of Homefield stuff, and the quality is unbelievable. So check them out at homefieldapparel.com. And when you use our promo code feels 12 you actually will get a discount. That's right. Feels 12. We'll get you 15% off your first order when you use our promo code feels 12 at homefieldapparel.com. Check them out right now and tell them that the feels like 45 podcast. All right, Dustin, welcome back. I'm very excited to talk about the defense with you. Cause I, I think this is a little more uh, polarizing. I think you and I are going to uh, Shocker. We're going to agree on everything here, um, <laughs> but I'm excited to break it down with you. And I mean, you, you got to start up front with this group at, on the defensive line. I think the last two games you have seen them really start to impose their will. You expected it against an Arkansas Pine Bluff, right? But the Arizona State game, I think, is the best barometer for where this entire team is at. I think it's the best test they got. Dustin, I mean, what what do you think about this defensive line right now? Yeah, I, the the defense as a whole, I guess you have to include in this, but fourth in tackles for loss and twelfth in sacks. I just the defensive line has been pretty much as advertised. I know in the Central Michigan game, we said we'd like them to be a little bit more disruptive, but they weren't bad. And then they come out in Arizona State and absolutely dominate. You know. Last year, they got a lot of pressure just rushing four, and they showed against Arizona State that they can do that. And again, against Arkansas Pine Bluff, it was almost sad to watch the Golden Lions offensive line try to go up against this defensive line. They are just absolutely dominant. When you see guys like Ben Kapinski, my guy, coming in and getting two sacks and just absolutely dominating this FCS team, it's like... And Trace Ford after the game is talking about how Ben can do that and does that in practice. And it's the fact that there's just so many guys on this at Leo that you can't even get him in there. You know, Mike Gundy said he's going to play in the flow of games this year in the non-con because he's that good. So that's behind a Trace Ford, a Colin Oliver, and a, a, and a Brock Martin, and even like, I guess, uh, Nathan Latou, if you stand him up, or a Tyron Irby, who I know was injured last game. That's like six guys I listed off just at one position. 
the depth you have there is absolutely insane. And I think after the Central Michigan game, the stuff that Trace Ford has shown, and, you know, with the the block and everything and the scoop and score on special teams, but Trace, what I've seen from Trace Ford in this non-con has got me really excited for the rest of the season. And I feel like he's almost overshadowing Colin Oliver and Brock Martin because people are so excited about watching him and he's looked so dominant in these games so far. Well, this is the thing I wanted to talk with you about is, am I crazy for thinking that Trace Ford might be right, right now after three games, the best player on this defense? I mean, through three games, is that true? He's looked amazing. And I think the problem is, you know, you look, you look at his total snaps, he's at 54 through the three games, and you've got Brock Martin at 141 and Colin Oliver at 79. So Brock has played great. We've seen him do what he does. You know, he's he's a very smart player. We've talked about how, you know, him and Xavier Benson maybe need to get a little bit more on the same page at times, but the Brock snaps need to come down a bit and more of those go to Oliver and Ford. I, I don't know what the right answer is there because I don't think Brock has looked bad. I think he's looked awesome. He had the forced fumble, but does he cause the havoc that Oliver and Ford do, especially in passing situations? But on passing situations, they've gotten all three of them out there a lot. We talked about that last week, but okay, does that, I mean, is that too crazy of a question to ask on the snap counts? No, no, I don't think so at all. The thing I've been wondering about is, are and I think it's early to make this declaration, but it's absolutely something I'm watching. We said this in the offseason that offensive lines would essentially be forced to pick one. They would be forced to pick a Trace Ford, a Colin Oliver, or a Brock Martin. You got to key on one because if you don't, they're all going to eat your lunch. So it's, it's better to pick your poison. But right now what we're seeing, I think, is that coming to life, but maybe on a smaller scale. I mean, Trace Ford looks like a madman, and he looks like the fastest player on the field, which is really saying something, I think. But additionally, I don't know how you get all these guys on the field at the same time. I mean, you you kind of laid Unless it out third right and there. Long, yeah. <laughs> Unless it's third and long, these they're not going to play enough, and that's the kind of sad thing because you'd want them all out there, but you just don't – you can't do that. Right. No, I – I agree. And and then if you take Brock off, you know, obviously we talked about how good Trace has looked on passing downs. And then he, you know, he blew up the mesh point on that run play against Arizona State. But Brock is really good against the run. So, you know, it's just, it's like you said, it's hard to get all these guys out there. I want them all out there all the time. But the thing is, I mean, do you want to take off the interior defensive lineman? Because Sionia C after you know we we said we wanted him to show a little bit more after the Central Michigan game. He has looked awesome. Brendan Evers, I know he didn't play against Pine Bluff, but he looked great in the Arizona State game, got injured, came back in. No one doubts his toughness. I loved what I've seen from Colin Clay. I loved what I've seen from Aiden Kelly in some yeah. in some snaps against Arkansas Pine Bluff. And then Tyler Lacey. I I just think, Kate, I still don't even want to come off my first second round NFL draft pick because he I think he's gonna be first team all big 12 first team all everything he's just looked like 
the best defensive lineman in the conference right now. Well, and I mean, that's with Siaki Ika and guys like that. I know that's the crazy thing too, is I sit here gushing about Trace Ford. And I'm like, oh yeah, Tyler Lacey was an absolute crazy man against Arizona State and Central Michigan and Pine Bluff. I mean, he looks like maybe the premier defensive lineman in the conference. And I just sat here gushing about Trace Ford because it's like, oh my gosh, that guy is back and better than I remembered him. And I, I said, I think I said this in the non or in the uh, off season. I thought that might happen. Like we might have forgotten how good Trace Ford was because of how good Colin Oliver was as he stepped into that role. I mean, to me, the defensive line has been as advertised when they're given a chance and the an offense doesn't run a dink and dunk, essentially changing their entire offense to counter that Oklahoma State defensive line. They are as dominant as I expected. And my... My biggest question is, can a Baylor offensive line handle them? Because no. they've lost some guys. And you said it, and I agree. I don't know if there's an offensive line in this conference right now today that can handle that group. I think Oklahoma State will win games they shouldn't because of that group. Here's a question, Cade. Do you think, and I know we've seen it, we saw it against Arizona State, but we didn't really see it a ton against Central Michigan and not a lot either. I did the little table about it against Arkansas Pine Bluff. Do you think that 2-4-5 where there's two Leos on the field on early downs, it's not just a passing, it's not the Tyler Lacey, Trace Ford, Brock Martin, Colin Oliver set that they've used on third and long. Do you think that 2-4-5 becomes almost a 60-40, maybe even a 50-50 split with the regular three down defense? And the main reason of that being to get more of the Leos on the field together and get these guys more snaps. I mean, please. I I mean, I would love that. I don't know what that does, you know, to your, to your every down run defense, because I think a lot of the big 12 still, I've, I've been kind of wrong about this. I thought the big 12 was going to try to air it out. They are still, everybody's grounding and pounding it. So I don't know if you can do that, but I, I think you have to figure out a way as a coaching staff to get this group on the field as much as possible. And that's certainly a way to do it. And maybe what you end up giving up in, in interior defensive line strength and, and, you know, somebody just already being in the gap in a scheme like that, you you probably gain in you know one off sacks one off random tackles for losses on an outside zone which everybody in this conference wants to run so i mean yeah do you try it i, I could see that absolutely i think i think you laid it out perfectly though in in the run is kind of where i think if they felt better the coaching staff about both linebacker spots so including that strong side field side, Mike linebacker, whatever you want to call it, that's lining up on the same side as like a Tyler Lacey to the field, to the strong side. If they felt more comfortable with that, so the non-Cobb position, I think they would run more two, four, five. But I think that's maybe what's causing some issues there. Well, it's just the, the fact that they maybe need a little bit more power defensive line in the to help against the rushing attack. Well, I mean, it's it's a perfect transition into something I want to talk with you about. That's that linebacker spot. I mean, Mason Cobb has been better than expected. And I would say Xavier Benson without calling anybody out has not been. Um, And 
I think he's done some good things, but I think I have probably recalibrated my expectation there as to what Oklahoma State can be defensively. I mean, there's still a hole in the middle of the defense in, in, in the pass game. Like run defense, I think Oklahoma State is right there where they need to be. Still think Brock Martin can get out of his box at times. I think Xavier Benson absolutely can as well. But for the most part, they're really solid there. What we've continued and continued to see through three games is, is issues in the middle of the zone. And, and that doesn't land on the secondary with me. It doesn't land on Mason Cobb a whole lot either. And so you're left with just kind of a question mark that you hope as, and I, I do believe this, as the season goes on, I think things start to make more sense. I think things slow down and they click a little bit. I'm not calling a guy out. This is a different step though. And so I, I expect things to change. Um, and, you know, I laid this out uh, after the Arizona State game. The quarterback play in the Big 12 this season is not, like outside of Oklahoma State and Oklahoma, it is not that great. Like just in terms of pure quarterback talent. So I think some of the deficiencies you have, may, they may not be all that exploitable because of the quarterback play in this conference right now. So I say all that to say linebacker, still a question mark for me. Yeah. And I, I think like you, what you said, I think Mason Cobb, I, I think you could even, you could argue to give him, if we're going to go letter grades again, give him an A. I think you maybe go A minus because some of, you know, we've seen some missed things. We talked about it last week, some miscommunication, things like that, which aren't all completely on him, but He's got 24 total tackles, six tackles for loss, and two sacks already. And he is by the ball every single play. And like you said, cleaning up some things in zone coverage and things of that nature, those will come with time and they need to improve there. But I think Mason Cobb is going to be one of your next great linebackers at Oklahoma State, following, you know, in the footsteps of some recent guys like a Devin Harper and a Malcolm Rodriguez. So I'm I'm really not concerned at all with him in that spot in that kind of Malcolm Rodriguez behind the Leo spot when they go three down that weak side boundary side linebacker. I think he's been great there. I think what you said is the question mark is at that other linebacker spot. I don't think Xavier Benson has been terrible. I think though we hit on it a little bit ago when we talked about the defensive line, you just got to be able to read and react and fill your gap. And it's it's really not just him. You know, when the safeties are asked to come down in the run game as well, you mentioned Brock Martin kind of jumping out of his gap sometimes. Yeah, It's communication and it's filling your gap. And I think there's just been too much kind of confusion, guys not being on the same page, and guys just being timid and slow to react. And I think that's been Benson's big problem. We've seen, you know, a guy like Nick Martin come in <laughs> And he flies all over the place, which I think, you know, he probably is in the wrong spot at times, but at least he is reacting and laying the wood. I just don't, I don't know. I think you keep Benson out there. I'm not advocating for Martin because I think he's looked a little lost at times, but you just got to clean it up. You got to continue to improve. But I think for Benson at Benson's spot, it's got to come quicker than some of these other spots we're talking about. It's got to come quicker for him. Because we are going to need him to stop the run and to keep teams from kind of running it down our throats when we get against some of these better offensive lines, better rushing attacks. And the defensive line can you know, hold the offensive lineman up as much as possible, but Benson's got to step up into his gap and make a play. And I think just overall, the whole entire back of the defense has to be more gap sound when they're asked to 
play a role in the rush in the running game. Yeah, I mean, well, there's a ton there. I agree with everything you said. One of my concerns about you know Benson as well is the responsibility you have when an offense goes in motion. You know Baylor is is going to motion the ever loving so much out of Oklahoma State, and it could be a thing that counteracts what I just said. And that Blake Shapen is not that dynamic a quarterback. I mean, I think what you saw in the first half of the Big Twelve Championship game last year was a little bit of an outlier because there's a lot more film that says he's he's a good Big Twelve quarterback but he's not going to win the game with his arm. He almost lost the game with his arm against Oklahoma State last year in that Big 12 title game. So my point is there are there are ways that you can counteract average quarterback play and that's making it easier on them and that's getting guys out of their assignment on defense through motion and and Baylor is going to do a ton of that. And it's a concern I have just with the defense as a whole in that game. I know we're not previewing it, but it's just hard not to look ahead to that. Um, and again, looking right at Xavier Benson in, in that event. And, and the crazy thing is Cade, like when it, when it matters, they've been able to lock it down. They've been able to, you know, shut down central Michigan later in the game or early in the game. They've been able to kind of make these stands. The third down defense has been incredible. You know, I put the tables out. They, <laughs> I don't think Arkansas Pine Bluff, not that, again, you can't take a lot away from that game, but I think they had like nine, eight or nine third downs before they even converted one. It's just, they've been able to step up when it matters at times. You just like to see it more consistent. And I think it's the communication, what we've talked about, and just kind of knowing where to be and making the decision quickly. I want to see more of that from the linebacking core as a whole, but I think Cobb has looked really good. I've liked what they've come in and asked Bishop to do as that third linebacker when you take yeah. Thomas Harper, the nickel off the field. But I'd like to see more from him when he's asked to be in one of those two major linebacker roles. And before we kind of move off linebacker, God, I didn't even mention my guy Samuel on the defensive line. So yeah, shout out didn't. to him. He's been awesome. <laughs> I think it's actually Samuela to a Halamaka. It, it is, but I'm glad you circled back to that because that's that's important. Uh, it's kind of like the Rashad Owens cowboy back thing. Like, that's your thing. This is mine type type of situations. <laughs> um, I, I do want to get into the secondary, though. I mean, I, I think they've done their job for the most part. I think there were some missed assignments in that Central Michigan game. Outside of those couple of plays, though, I, I really think they've done a good job. I think you lost a little bit in perimeter tackling. And this was to be expected. Just in general, you lose a little bit in perimeter tackling with Malcolm Rodriguez and Devin Harper not swallowing up the middle. And then you put a lot of stress on Jabbar Muhammad and Corey Black, who play have played a lot, but have not played a starter's reps. Um, and I, I just think you've taken a little bit of a step back there. But I love the athleticism of the secondary. I think Jason Taylor is the heartbeat of it, um, is really one of – the key leaders of the defense that is he does it quietly, but he's really always for the most part outside of the things you just laid out and coming up, assisting in the run game does a lot of things, right. Uh, and I think he plays with enough energy that people around him notice it and see it. I, I think, you know, almost like Spencer is in command of the offense. It feels like Jason Taylor's in command of the defense. And so I love what I've seen from the secondary for the most part. 
outside of some early hiccups, I think that they're going to do enough. Um, if, if the linebackers can just hold it down in the middle, they're going to be good enough. Yeah, I, I think it was a great call out on the tackling. We've seen it be suspect at times this year. I think it needs to continue to improving. We've seen you know Jabbar miss some tackles. We've seen some of the safeties miss some tackles. And we talked about it. Is, you know, some of those are right at the line of scrimmage when Kendall Daniels is coming down, and if he misses a tackle there, it still kind of gets cleaned up. It's just you know maybe a two-yard gain instead of a loss of one. So some of those aren't as big of a deal, but I think the thing is with the secondary and with the linebacking core is going back to what you already mentioned, just you know some of the lapses in zone, even some of the lapses in man, we've seen guys get confused on the motion like you called out. But just the giving up the big plays, if you can limit that a little bit, and you know that's what Derek Mason preaches, he preaches that top down. If you cannot get the top blown off, not so much a bend don't break, but if they can just lower the amount of big plays, I think this defense can be really good. The gap integrity and limiting the big plays, I know I'm saying that like those are easy things <laughs> to do, but I, like you said, Jason Taylor's been good. I've really, Kendall Daniels, I think has been as good as we thought he was going to be. He's He still has very, very little experience. When he gets more in-game experience and is able to kind of do what I'm talking about with Benson and read and react even quicker, it's, I mean, sky's the limit for him. He's been amazing. Jason Taylor's been great, like I said. I think Corey and Jabbar, you know, at times, maybe they've shown some lapses, like the giving up the big plays here and there, but... I think these are still two really good cornerbacks in the Big 12 and definitely good enough cornerbacks for this to be a really good Big 12 defense. And then Thomas Harper, we've talked about the pass interference stuff, but I don't think he's been bad. And I think all these guys are extremely talented. And I think something, Cade, that I wanted to ask you about, when we said that this defense, that this secondary could be more athletic maybe than last year's, even with losing some of that experience and maybe not as good, I think we've seen it. I mean, do you I, agree? I think we were These right. guys are so athletic. No, I, I think we were right. Um, the Kendall Daniels edition, um, the cornerback play, Corey Black has been impressive. I, I think we've seen that. Um, and even even what you lose in gap assignment at the linebacker spot, I still, I still think Xavier Benson's a great athlete. Mason Cobb is better than I expected in that arena. I mean, really, you could go on the defensive line too and just say Trace Ford has been faster and stronger and better than I expected too. So yes, all of that to say every level of the defense, I agree with you. Yeah. And I think even a guy like Sean Michael Flanagan, who maybe doesn't, isn't the athletic freak that Kenyon Daniels is, he's a smart player and he's extremely aggressive. And I, I think it sounds like his injury is not too serious. So he should be back. You know, he didn't play against Arkansas Pine Bluff, but having the depth at that bandit safety, you know, if one of those guys goes down, you know, you have another one who can step in right away and you don't really miss a beat. And they kind of have different skill sets, which I like as well, put them in in different situations. So I'm, I'm still really optimistic on this back end. I think we, you know, when we talked about question marks, we spent a lot of time on the offensive line and the running backs, even though there are some question marks on the defense as well. I think those or more concerning for me than the secondary, because what it's been in the secondary has been more like we called out miscommunication, not making the decision quick enough. And I think those are things you can improve upon in season with more reps, as opposed to, you know, on the offensive line, we're talking about some things maybe are in, in the running back room too, like some skill set things missing, maybe some strength things missing there. 
And I think those are harder to correct than what we're talking about with the secondary. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. I mean, Dustin, any final thoughts on the defense? Because what I do want to talk about, I, I want to kind of recalibrate our expectations for this year. Not, not that they need recalibrating, but let's rehash them. Is there anything that you wanted to talk about offensively, defensively before we move into that? Kate, it pains me so much <laughs> to say this, but the special teams has been awesome. Why would it pain you to say that? I just, you know, I don't, I don't want to talk about special teams ever. We pretty much avoid it every single time. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. We we do not talk about special teams, do we? Um, here's the deal: it's it might win them a game, like that. It it may be the difference maker in a tight game in Manhattan or Lubbock, or I guess we don't go to Lubbock this year. But you get my point. It it may be the difference. They are, this is one of the best teams, special teams units they've had uh, under Mike Gundy senior. He said it might even be the best. It's hard to be a really, really great team without a solid special teams unit. I mean, they don't have to be amazing, but if you have a bad special teams unit or a below average one, it's actually, it plays a huge role in the game and it's hard to, kind of get to your ceiling as a team if your special teams is terrible. And, you know, Tom Hutton's been great. Tanner Brown has been great. And the fact that we have Alex Hale backing up Brown and my guy Logan Ward from Deer Creek, who I've now shouted out twice on this podcast where I finished <laughs> school when I moved from Louisiana. The, the fact that we have those guys as backups is insane. And then the, you see that I, I know it's against Arkansas Pine Bluff, but the, the punt coverage, the punt block, the field goal block has been great all season so far throughout the entire non-con they can continue at this pace it it helps this oklahoma state team get back to arlington big time i mean and that's kind of the path to the question i want to ask you we both expected oklahoma state to be back in arlington i think the way to have this conversation do you still feel that way based on what you've seen through three games I think so, Kate. And, and you know, I know you you do a much better job of kind of watching the entire college football slate than I do. I get stuck on who. That's a nice way of saying I don't have a whole lot going on on Saturdays, but I'll let that one slide. No, 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 no. The same thing (laughs) is just is I I get I kind of end up keying on like, you know, I've been watching Baylor and Texas Tech and, you know, the teams we've been playing because I get like stuck on who we're playing next. But I know you'll have a better take on this than me. But I, I don't. I'm not super impressed with the rest of the Big Twelve. Yeah, and I I don't think that's a huge surprise. I know you and I had trouble doing our power rankings in the off season, and so that's one thing. And I think Oklahoma State's defense, as we mentioned, can still be really good. I think the things that are their deficiencies, they can continue to correct. Not as good as last year, but I still think they can be a good Big Twelve defense and one of the better defenses in the Big Twelve this year. And I think Spencer Sanders' play, what he's shown from the middle of last season to basically now has been so exceptional. And I, I think this receiving core is great. We talked about special teams. All that said, I think I still think they can get back there. I still think this is a 10-plus win team. And I, I I feel pretty confident about it at this point. Obviously, we'll, we'll know a lot more when we head into Baylor because I do think this non-conference schedule was weaker than I thought after seeing Central Michigan play some of their games yep. and Arizona State lose to Eastern Michigan and fire Herm. But 
I, I still think they can get there, and I, I don't feel shaky on that prediction right now. Yeah, I, I don't. You? I don't feel shaky about it either. I think you factor in everything with, that we said about this team so far this season, plus today. Um, I think the pieces are there. I think quarterback play. You know, every year it, it's the thing that gets you to the Big Twelve title game, but it it might be it might be the most important factor this year outside of play in the trenches. And I think Oklahoma state has improved there. So as long as they stay lucky in terms of injuries, um, they, they, they don't make stupid mistakes and they play like the experienced team. They are, I think they're going to be back there. I think it's because of Oklahoma state. I also think it's because the big 12 might stink a little bit after you get outside of Oklahoma state Baylor, Oklahoma. I mean, I know Iowa State's three and zero, but I, 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 I'm not sure I believe it. Um, you'll learn a lot this weekend as Baylor goes to Iowa State, Kansas State. Who, you know, I'm I'm glad I offloaded all my stock uh, earlier in the offseason. No insider trading there. The writing was just on the wall. <laughs> was Adrian Martinez really going to fix all that? My answer was no. And look at where we are now. K State appears to be. Um, a little bit of a disappointment. So you start going down the list and it's like, okay, well that's two of the top five. Texas has quarterback injury issues. You start looking around and it's like, it's like uh, Will Smith in fresh Prince When, when uh, everybody moves <laughs> the furniture out, it's like, you're looking around, like where's everybody at? And uh, it might be Oklahoma state at Oklahoma um, in the big 12 title game. And I mean, really the next two weeks of the year for Baylor, th- this is, this is a gut check moment in the year for them. And, I, and, and I'll wrap this up with that, but this is a round robin schedule. Baylor goes to Iowa State and at Oklahoma State to open their slate in conference play. It is reasonable to see that they start that 0 and 2, 1 and 1, or 2 and 0. But I think it's more on the 1 and 1 or 0 and 2 side of things. And you, fact, you say that if that's the case. This is this is Oklahoma and Oklahoma State's game to lose at this point. So um, I do think Oklahoma State is still back in Dallas, um, but that's kind of my assessment of it. Yeah, and I mean, I'm just – I know we said we're not going to talk about it too much, but I'm so excited for that game just to see – I think Spencer Sanders, you know, he's going to want to impress – I mean, obviously not try too hard to impress, but, but he's going to want to show Dave Aranda something, and I, I think he's – I think he's very prepared for this game already. Yeah, it's man, I can't wait. I mean, you know they worked it in the summer, and you know Spencer, you know it was Spencer's probably favorite thing to work in the summer. He's chomping at the bit. You got to think. My my concern is, do you fall back into old habits, wanting to make every play against Baylor? (laughs) Yes, that's that's all I said. Not too hard. Yeah, (laughs) not try too hard. But no, kid, it's a great question. I think I I had a lot of fun going through that. I know we went, you know kind of long on it but I, I think reviewing the entire non-con was a lot of fun and just kind of looking back at some of the predictions we made before the season and kind of seeing how dumb we are and maybe <laughs> right on something so well hey i mean let's let's wrap it up with some listener questions right we've got several uh on anchor our uh, voice messaging platform so shout out to you guys for doing that but let's start with lou pineda uh back after a long hiatus welcome What's up, guys? Big Lou's back, ready for conference play. Let's do this. So I'm curious. In the uh, in the past, we've obviously had a a guy 
and receivers. So you had your Blackman, your Dez, your your Washington, your your Wallace. I don't think we I don't think we're at that point. I think we're actually graduating our wide receiver units to we just have a bunch of guys. Like I, I dare I say, are, are are we getting to that point where we're at Ohio State, Alabama level where it's just we, we don't have a one guy. It's just three or four guys that are going to be absolutely deadly to at any point. So I wanted to get you guys' opinion on the depth, not really just this year, but since we saw Shetran and and, and, uh, and all the other guys this weekend, I wanted to get your thoughts on, you know, next year, year after. So appreciate you guys. Talk to you soon. I mean, Dustin, I, I love that question. I mean, you know, my, my first thought is, sheesh, Alabama and Ohio State, I don't know about that. But then it's like, how are they, I mean, outside of, you know, Heisman winners at, at wide receiver, what's missing? I mean, they've got explosiveness. They've got depth. I think it's the best in the Big 12. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think if you just laid out the best in every conference, Alabama, Ohio State, Oklahoma State, and who cares about the rest? Because nobody else is any good. But, yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't hate that idea. No, I actually thought Lou was going to ask, and thanks, Lou, so much for the question. Glad to have you back on here with the audio question. I thought he was going to say, you know, who is going to step up and be that guy after the first part of the question, and my answer was going to be what you and I said earlier. I think there's a lot of guys that can do yeah. a lot of different things, he and there's it. a lot of depth. So Lou laid that out perfectly, but to speak about the future, and I agree with everything you said, so I'll hit on that future part yeah, Stephon Johnson Jr. It's an Oregon Freak. decommit that we were, <laughs> Kate, you and I were very excited about. He's already shown us a little bit in that Arkansas Pine Bluff game of what he can do after the catch. You've got John Paul Richardson for several more years. You've got Brandon Presley. You've got a guy like Braylon Presley. Even the guys that are walk-ons like CJ Tate have looked good. I mean, CJ Tate looked amazing in the spring game. He's getting some run out there. Kale Cavanis has looked good. Shetron with the catch in the end zone. Gundy called him a touchdown machine. They just put him out there for touchdowns. <laughs> so I, I just think I think we're set. And as long as, even if Casey Dunn were to leave, but as long as Casey Dunn is there, you're going to be recruiting these high caliber wide receivers. And it, it's to the point now we've just seen him consistently do it and develop these guys. I don't think there's any reason to think that we're going to have a drop off anytime soon at that position because it's now just been so consistent. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I love everything Lou laid out there. I agree with you, Dustin, the consistency, what Casey Dunn has built in that wide receiver room is, uh, is impressive. And I, it's, it's funny to hear the tune change, you know, about play calling and you and I, we, we weren't harping on it last year, but as quarterback play improves, as offensive line play improves, isn't it interesting how the offense all of a sudden play calling becomes much less of a conversation point? Yes. It's like, oh, hmm, that's weird. <laughs> all right. Let's go here to Trevor Taylor. T Nasty. Sorry. Hey, fellas, T Nasty here. So obviously our non-con was pretty soft, but it looks like our offense is uh, back to where it used to be. Uh, in the Mason Rudolph era, very high tempo, throwing it around. Um, I want your thoughts on what you think this year's going to end up being. If you if you think we're going to play more ball control like we did the last couple of years with a solid defense, or if you think 
we're just going to have to rely on the offense to uh, chunk it around and keep pace with some of these better offenses in the Big 12 this year. Um, so give me your thoughts. And then also I want to praise Gundy for just being a chameleon with the team that he has. Um, it's pretty impressive. He's been on the hot seat before, but he's done a great job over the last couple of years. So, um, yeah, thanks, Kevin. I mean, two great questions. Trevor, I'm, I'm over here headbanging to the last part. <laughs> Uh, just rocking. I mean, Gundy being a chameleon is a fantastic compliment and it's true. His ability to modify the game plan, the offense, the play calling, the, the way they approach offense, defense, special teams to play complimentary football. He's, he's proven himself to be one of the best in the country at that. If not, you know, top two, three in terms of molding a team around what he has. Um, I think that's how he's found a lot of success at Oklahoma State. But, you know, to answer your first question, Trevor, I mean, you you play the team, you play with the team that you have. And I think last year they were forced to go ball control because of the quality of defense they had. All that was on purpose. This year, I think you you have seen already Mike Gundy being a chameleon. Arizona State was not the same approach that they took against Central Michigan. It wasn't, it wasn't even really remotely close. And so I think you've already seen it there. They're going to do what the opposing defense uh, dares them to do. And they're probably going to do it well. Yeah, you've got to be – You, I mean, that makes complete sense. I mean, you got to be able to do both. you got to be able to go tempo. you got to be able to slow it down. you got to be able to exploit mismatches have a good game plan against your opponent each week. I, I mean, it just kind of all goes into that. And thanks, T-Nasty, for the question. It, they, they were both great. And Gundy has shown time after time that he's able to kind of still keep with his core scheme, but evolve with the personnel grouping he has. And with the way Spencer Sanders is so comfortable with this offense, I think we'll see a little tempo. I think we'll see him slow it down. I think we'll just see them do what they think they can exploit against each defense each week, like you said. So I, I love the question, and it, it's a great call out on the Gundy thing. All right. Front of the pod, Ryan Winkle with a banger. Probably. So, dude, it's, it's been pretty disappointing not being able to see Jaden Bray in this offense yet. I think a lot of us had him as that number one guy on the outside this year. Um, but in his absence, we've seen Braden Johnson really step up and be that guy. Uh, my question is if and when Jaden Bray does come back, um, do you think the majority of targets on the outside automatically just go his way? Or do you think Braden Johnson has done enough to prove that he can be that number one receiver? I mean, Dustin, why don't, why don't you lead us off? I don't think they just automatically go to Bray just because of how we've seen this offense. Op I mean, nothing from how this offense has operated in recent years makes me think it would just automatically switch to that X receiver, all the targets. I think it I think it definitely will be more of a 50-50ish type split between the X and Z that we've seen in past years because Bray is such a dominant force and I think in situations like, you know, a third and long in the red zone, you want to get it to Bray more. So, I definitely I definitely think you'll see more passes that way than you have in previous years, but I don't think it will instantly just go to kind of a 50-50 split between those two wide receiver spots. I thoroughly agree. I'm I'm excited to see what this offense looks like with both of them out there, though, because they're completely different receivers. It's like we talked about last week. 
no Jaden Bray out there means really no physical threat uh, up the field, which if you catch my drift, they want to throw the ball up to back the defense off them so they can run the ball. They right now don't have that guy. And with Jaden Bray out there, I don't think the targets go 50-50 as, as you alluded to, but I, I think it changes the dynamic of this this offense. I think it it really allows them to do more of what they want to do, um, which I think is is run the ball, throw the ball up, and then hit Braden Johnson on the deep post. Like if they could do that in three plays, like in a three-play drive, I think they would. So yeah, um, yeah, I mean, that's the way I see it. So no, I agree. Um, was that Cade? Was that the last? That was it. Awesome. Those are great guys. We really appreciate you sending those in. We've had, a, I think we've had at least two or three now, like hey, every week. Recently. We're trending so that's up. Awesome. We're going the yeah. right direction. We appreciate you guys uh, tuning in and, and doing that. It It's such a nice dynamic to the show. Dustin, I'll flip it over to you for Twitter questions. Yeah. And obviously if you send it in audio, we'll probably give you a little bit more time on the response. Twitter, sometimes we're going to fly through these just because we uh, like to hear ourselves talk and we go way too long every time, mainly. Yeah. Now. Just about every week. No, it's a pattern. It's a pattern. Okay, let's get to these. Uh, Pistol Peter at OSU Pistol Peter 1 says, on a scale of 1 to 10, how good do you feel about our offensive line play slash depth so far this season as well as moving forward? If I'm factoring in as well as moving forward, I'm going to go with a 7. I think they can fix some of the run blocking things. I think you laid out the Jason Brooks scenario as an option that would improve that. Um, I would say right now I feel about a six, but I, I think they could, I mean, I, I think they could end up being a top two offensive line in this conference. If they're able to, to become a more successful run blocking team, which they always do. Right. So like, there's no reason to think they won't this year. I, I see it going that way. I, I, I think they're going to be pretty good by, by the time the end of the year rolls around. Yeah, I, I agree. I guess if we're just grading the non-con based on the taking into the account, you know, the opponents that they played, but I'd probably give the pass pro like a nine. It, it, I know I get that some of these defenses weren't very good, but against them, I think it was like a nine. And then run blocking, maybe a four or five. So in that six, seven range, but I think I agree with you going forward. I think it could be a seven. And if the pass pro continues to be this good, and I know they've had help from the running backs and the cowboy backs in those like six, seven man protections, but I think it could be a seven, eight. Yeah. In that range. I, I like that. Yeah. No, I, I agree completely. Great All right. Question. Next we got, we got Brian Metcalf at Brian J Metcalf. He says, what's the most concerning stat that needs to be fixed going forward? And do you feel confident? And how, con- I think so say how confident do you feel Spencer will stay healthy with a conference leading 60% usage rate. So, well, hey, here's the deal. I'm not even talking about the last part. No juju here. Okay. <laughs> no yes. negative juju about Spencer Sanders' health. We're not even going to talk about it. I, I mean, I, and just to quickly answer that one, I, I think, I mean, you want him to have a high usage rate. He's an amazing player that has a great feel of the offense right now. So I love that. But yes, on the first part of the question, most concern, concerning stat, Kate, do you have one? Like off the top of my head? I Can we think- just highlight a, because I, I mean, I'm not really in the stats right now. Like, um, do you I, have anything? Well, here's the, here's the thing, you know, 
we're talking about the run game, but I'd mentioned to you what the yards per carry number is, removing the kneel downs and the sacks. So can you really say it's that stat when you're at 5.2? No. Obviously, you want it to be higher when you're taking into account Arkansas Pine Bluff, but overall, I don't know if you can be mad at that stat. You know, some of the third down, maybe conversion stuff and gain stuff on offense could improve. Hey, um, here's here's mine. One and two against the spread. That's not great, <laughs> right? Yeah. Let's fix that. Let's fix that for sure. But yeah, Brian, I think I think our stuff is more, you know, not exactly tied to a stat like some of the, you know, we talked about the gap integrity, linebacker play at that Benson spot, fixing up some of the stuff in coverage. If if you so, you know what turn you know what you know what's a good one? Turnovers. But I think that's just the that's the nature of this defense. And it was the same with the Jim Knowles defense. It's not, you know, when you're in man, when you kind of have that. You, your corners and your nickel are playing that face guarding, get your hands up, turn around at the last second. You're not going to get a lot of interceptions. If they were to play more zone, you know, we saw them play some zone in the non-con. They could get some more. I, I mean, you know, Brock Martin forces the fumble, but I think overall turnovers is a concern, but I don't know how much that's going to improve. So maybe there's my stat. Yeah, well, I'll say I'll, I'll throw one out there. 377 total yards allowed a game. It's not ideal. Um, but you're through three games here. We've laid out all the reasons we think that's happening, the fixes for that. Um, if I had to pick one and say that's a cause for concern, it would be yards allowed. But again, I think there are many better stats to look at for the success of a defense like points per drive um, that truly indicate the success. And um, But if I had to point to one, I'd say yards allowed. That's That's higher than you want for sure. Yeah, that's a great one. That's a great call out. But yeah, thanks, Brian, as always, for the question. We appreciate that. Next, we've got Matt Claxton at Road Crew One. He says, who was the guy we hadn't seen that you got the most excited for and why Why is it Stephon Johnson Jr.? <laughs> well, you, you know us well, Matt. I mean, he, he's been, I mean, one game and he was one of the best players on the field when he came on. So he, he popped. I'll, I'll say that. Like, and that's Hard to do, I I think, in a situation like that. But he did. I would I would say even a little bit more than what we've seen from Ollie Gordon so far, um, just because I think what you've seen from Ollie Gordon is uh, a little opportunistic at times. And then one, you know, broken play. I mean, granted, he's to the edge in four steps, but I, I would say Stephon Johnson is a good call there. Yeah, I think if we want to go on on defense, I, I know Aiden Kelly, I thought he looked great in his snaps again against Arkansas Pine Bluff, but I thought he looked solid and I was really hoping to see him get some snaps this year. So it was cool to see him out there. And I thought he looked pretty dominant against a weaker opponent. I'll I'll say somebody too. Um, oh gosh, I, I, I just blanked on his name. Dominic Jones, 22. Is it Dominic? Uh, I keep DeMarco. Thinking, DeMarco. Thank EJ, you. I think yeah. I've called three guys Dominic today. I'm pretty sure <laughs> I called DeAndre Jackson Dominic. Anyway, my bad. Um, I haven't heard his name called a lot. Um, I haven't been like looking for him in replays. But as you start looking at that cornerback depth, he's one that I was kind of concerned about. And again, not being picked on and not hearing your name called a lot as a corner is a good thing. Um, I haven't noticed him <laughs> good or bad, which I would take as, as good so far. Yeah, no, that's, a, that's another good call out. Thanks for the question, Matt. Those are always great. Uh, next we got Joel Pinfield, our friend Joel at JT Pinfield. 
Thanks for the question, Joel. He says, is it weird that I feel indifferent about Bedlam going away once OU leaves? I, Kid, I think my answer on this is what Gundy said in his media availability today. Oh, I think Joel, so it's childish, and we should just stop talking about it. This is so good, though. He, he, <laughs> he brought out a freaking notebook. He said, I got time today. You know, for me, I'm, I am not in, indifferent. I am almost like intentionally, I'm almost kind of happy. Like, I think Oklahoma State doesn't need Oklahoma. I'm not going to dive into this too far, um, but we got a logo too. That's that's kind of my mood right now towards all of it. I wish there was a little bit more understanding from the other side as to how Oklahoma State fans are still bitter about this. Because yeah, I think they're I think most are bitter. I think Joel, there there are few people like you who are indifferent. Um, I I will miss Bedlam. I absolutely will miss it. Um, but Oklahoma State doesn't need it, and it is above that rivalry. And I frankly. I am proud of the administration for not caving uh, in that event because we don't, we don't need them. So that's my opinion. Yeah, no, I agree a hundred percent. I don't even really have anything to add. I thought that was laid out perfectly. I can keep going. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. Next we've got uh, our, our podcast network, our parent network, the 1012 network at 1012 network. If you're not following them on Twitter, what questions about OSU that you had coming into the season do you feel like the non-conference slate didn't answer for you? That they didn't answer? I mean, it has to be linebacker because I said it's still a question mark. But I, th- yeah. I mean, I, I think I... And can, the- we, can we effectively and efficiently run the football throughout the entire season that's, at running that's, back? That's probably a better one. Um, yeah, either, either of those I think are, are fair. Yeah, I think those are good. I, I love that question, though. It kind of made me think a little bit when I just read it. And I, yeah, I did not get to read through all these before. So these are coming off the top. So if my answers are terrible <laughs> or worse than usual, I mean, I'll blame it on that. Yeah, okay. yeah me too. <laughs> Next, we've got Oakley Burrow at Buffalo Oak. Thanks, Oakley, for always sending these in. He says, not necessarily a question, but talk me out of selling my home and investing all my money into Ollie Gordon stock. I mean, <laughs> Kate, we talked about it. Somebody has to separate themselves in that running back room. And I know DeAndre Jackson hasn't really got a chance yet, but as the number two and a number two that can come in and take carries from Dom and you know really be a one-two punch for this Oklahoma State run game. And if that guy needs to be Ollie Gordon, I, I think he's got the skill set. If he can get there, you know, thinking wise, maturity wise, then let's do it. But I, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not going to talk you out of it, Oakley, because I think he definitely has the skill set to do it. I mean, I, I agree with you. I think it's a little early to broker your future on it. Um, especially if you want to have kids one day, I'd keep the house. But what I would <laughs> do is highly consider calling Price Buckley to see what you should do about this. Uh, because I think it's at a good price right now and I'd be buying. That's what I'll say. <laughs> I love it. Um, next, we've got Di- the Dynasty Defined podcast, our good buddy Lee, who we've had on here before to talk wrestling. If you're not following him, you need to because Dynasty Defined is great for wrestling. I know I learn a lot from it because I don't know a ton about wrestling. So check him out. A little plug there for free, Lee. I'll, uh, you can text me. Thanks later. But yeah, and, and we we've invoiced you accordingly. <laughs> exactly. Did Arizona State miss the memo that losing to Oklahoma State isn't a reason to fire your coach anymore? 1997 called 
Lee, I I love the <laughs> joke, but they lost to Eastern Michigan. Yeah. That's why they fired him. Yeah, I'm I'm and not recruiting stuff. I'm not feeling great about my uh declaration that Arizona State would win eight games. I don't feel really good about that anymore. I think they got some yeah. issues. And I don't Central Michigan might, might not be very good either. So we we were wrong, wrong on those. So it doesn't Sorry, make a lot of sense that. either, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> uh next we have Chip Smith at Chip Smith. He says, Is there any reason to think that OSU is leaving money on the table with Bedlam going away? Uh, I mean, with the college football playoff now, I would think any short return on playing one game against Oklahoma is offset by the uh, potential to get into the college football playoff and then an expanded media rights deal. I'm not worried about it. It's if, if, if money was a big enough issue, we wouldn't be having the conversation we'd be having because we'd be playing Bedlam. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that last point that you just made, it, I mean, kind of nails it. Like, if it was that big of a deal, it'd probably, we'd probably decide to still play it. So, yep. um, our last question is from our guy, Alex Fuller at Hi. Fuller Fun Boy Four. He didn't leave an audio question no, this week. Didn't. I'm assuming, I'm assuming because there's no OSU game, but pick a different game, Fuller. Well, Jeez, here's dude. here's the deal, too. Is he in hiding? Because I'm pretty sure he was his lock of the week last week didn't hit it. Is he? <laughs> is he? Uh, Okay, he's okay. I can confirm that he's okay. But uh, yeah, he caught. We had a, we had a phone call on Sunday, and he uh, he knows he knows he missed on that one. Well, he didn't back. show he, his face around here. He can do that he, still. He never. He'll never go away. He'll be here. <laughs> Good. Good. He says. I think he wants us to set an over underline of how many catches the Cowboys back the Cowboy backs have at the end of the regular season. Eight, oh. I, I'm gonna have to set it at like ten. Yeah, I mean, total combined. If unless Blaine Green comes back, let's say Blaine Green doesn't come back. Yeah, I mean, are we talking guys that slot into that H back? No, like, let's just say Cassidy, just, Schultz, McIndo, Chetron, and Quentin Stewart. Yeah, so I will I will go with twelve, Chetron, sorry. 12 and a half as the over under. I might take the under. They have two right now, and last year I think it was a combined, not counting Blaine Green, I think it was eight is that I just looked at. So it, if you have it at 12 and a half, man, I'd like to say I'd like to say over 10. I think 12 and a half is a good line because I just think we're going to th- – I think we've seen we're going to throw it a lot, and we're talking about Sanders having all these yards. So maybe they get into like that 15-ish range, but wow. No offense to the Cowboys. I mean, you know, I love Braden Casting, Jaden Schultz. I think they've been awesome. I gave them a great grade. But why throw it to them when you can throw it to the wide receivers? I, or to I, Dom, who's awesome in the past game. I don't know. And that's why they won't. Because <laughs> yeah, I don't know so, why you would. I love the question, uh, Fuller. I, I mean, the importance of it is very low. But I love the, uh, I love the thought. Yeah. Yeah. The sense of urgency on our part. No. Uh, I, I do love the question, though. Um and and it looks entirely different with the Blaine Green. I mean, Blaine Green's out there. What do you, what do you think, Dustin? I mean, over under at thirty three and a half. Yeah, I mean, whatever his whatever you think his catch over under is. <laughs> it, yeah, yeah, right. Had three onto it. Oh, it's pretty good. All right. Well, speaking of that, you can go to Prize Picks right now. <laughs> you can play some over unders as well. 
uh, you can actually get a hundred percent match on your first deposit up to a hundred dollars. If you use the promo code feels 12 and, and that segue was off the dome. So uh, we're getting really <laughs> good at this. If I was better, I'd have the, the picks right in front of me and you could play along with me this weekend. I'll tweet them out though. So that way you can, but again, prize picks I've played every weekend. It's been a lot of fun. Actually, you can s- select over unders for teams, specific players. Um, and it is the free or it is the legal way uh, to bet right now. So, uh, especially in Oklahoma. So have fun with that. Uh, go to prize picks and use our promo code feels 12 for that and match up to a hundred dollars. Jade. And thank you for that. Thank you for that. Info. You're welcome. Prize picks is awesome. <laughs> I love, I love talking the over under stuff and, and everything on here. You're much, you're much better at that stuff than me. Oh, I'm not good at it. it. It's just fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did want to shout out. I forgot. I just looked at our DMS. Our buddy, he sent us in some questions before. Uh, cool young Luke, Jason, he uh, brought. He was just kind of bringing up some of the stuff we talked about with Sanders being able to kind of ch- go through his progressions, check down to the running back, um, and being able to kind of get like his running game, taking it in between the tackles is more of just always trying to get to the perimeter. So I wanted to shout him out for that. I meant to do that earlier, but he sent us that in the DMs, and it was a great call out, and it was something we talked about on the pod. So I wanted to give him a shout out. Yeah. No, that's good. I appreciate it, Dustin. I mean, hey, this is a good weekend of college football. There's games all over the place. Uh, hopefully, you'll find a cool place to watch some. Uh, I, I, we're we're going to try our hand at a little homemade pizza. Last week, we tried, oh. and uh, it did not go well. I might drive over for a slice. Hey, you're right down the street. Yeah, for, I mean, <laughs> for those of you who don't know, Cade and I do this podcast virtually, but we literally live like three minutes from each other. <laughs> Well, it just smells really bad, so I don't ever want to go. There. It's yeah, it's it's actually the easier way to do it. Uh, but yeah, we just we just come over for pizza on the weekends <laughs> and talk about it then. No, uh, so if you've got any recommendations, send them my way because the first round last weekend did not go so well. So we had some salad instead, uh, which is probably good in in, in any case. So. <laughs> well, hey, best of luck with that. I will be I'll be out of town this weekend. I'll be checking out. My Saints going to visit hey. some friends in Charlotte and checking out Saints Panthers this weekend. So pretty excited about that. Give Baker Mayfield the what for for us, all right? Oh, oh, trust me, I will. I'm just hoping the Saints can can pull out a victory, but we'll see. Yeah, let me know on Saturday if I should play Jameis or not because uh, <laughs> I'm not feeling great about my quarterback situation. All right. Well, have fun with that, Dustin. Be safe. Enjoy. Charlotte's a great city, by the way. Underrated American city. It's beautiful out there. Um, but if you're not already, certainly follow us on Twitter at FeelsLike45Pod. You can also follow us on Instagram. We're trying to keep things cool, fresh, uh, coming out there that you may not see on our Twitter. The other thing is, if there's something you want to see from us, let us know. Like, No guarantees, but we we love suggestions. We love tips. uh, We're just having fun with this. So follow us there. Follow Dustin at Dustregu and follow me at Cade Webb. And uh, Dustin, if you don't have anything else, I'll go ahead and sign us off. And we'll see you guys back here next week for a preview of the Baylor Bears. Have a great weekend and go Pokes.